Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and the Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Uh, I am really, really honored by your presence and really appreciate your time you take to... Um, to listen to my podcast every day. Um, I am going to continue this this podcast today on, on something that is on everyone's mind, Islamophobia, um, and something that's connected or predates it. It's called uh, anti-Semitism. Now, before I start off this podcast today, I want to tell you something very important. This podcast is not monetized. I don't take money. I don't ask for money. I do not. Um, I, I do not monetize it in any way. Sell it. Have ads. Absolutely nothing. This is just me talking because I love history. Um, I love to connect the dots. I love geography, geology, um, knowing about the past, knowing about uh, gaining the knowledge. Um, and I went through a very difficult childhood. And because of that, I spent a lot of time uh, learning, reading. And all this knowledge, this baggage of knowledge that I gained, the experience that I gained, the debates, the that I listened to the research that I've done, I put it together and finally uh, decided to make it this podcast. Um, it's taken me a lot of time. I didn't really set out to do this. I just sought out to heal. And I knew the knowledge healed me. I knew that no type of, uh, uh, no type of medication or meditation was uh, of any help uh, but knowledge was the only help that could I could get and it was my duty to share this knowledge with you and with everyone around you um, and with generations to come so that you can learn also from the mistakes that we made from the knowledge that we gained that you don't have to start off all over again um, I think that it's our duty as a previous generation to use the baggage of knowledge and the voyage that we've taken to uh, transfer to a new generation and so that they could understand it and do what they choose with it and understand the mistakes that we've made. But like I said, this is not monetized in any way, so there's no money going to, um, to any channel. Uh, neither am I ever going to ask you for any money. So this is just between you and me and um, a, a chance to gain more knowledge, to research, to spread the knowledge and to heal. Uh, that is the most important thing for us. So one of the things that get us very angry today is Islamophobia. People accusing you of Islamophobia. Um, and it predates, it, it, uh, it's predated by anti-Semitism. So... Let's go to Islamophobia first, okay? That's easy. And then we'll go to anti-Semitism, okay? So Islamophobia is a modern way of saying kufr. That's all. It's a modern way of saying kufr. In the old days, people used to say kufr. They used to accuse you of being a kufr, an infidel. But today, they can't say that you're kufr. They cannot say. So what do they replace it with? Islamophobia. The labels have changed, but the mentality has not. Because it's not the label that defines the mentality. It is the mentality that defines the label. It is the currents that form our waves. If the currents don't change, the waves are not going to change. If you don't take out the garbage from the ocean, the garbage is going to go back in the ocean and the ocean is going to spit it out. So you have to take out that garbage from the ocean. You have to take out that that ignorance from the, from the ocean. 
emotion from your mind in order for you to change. But of course, people are not going to do it and they want, the establishment wants the people to keep on that plantation of fear and negativity. And because of that, they keep spitting out these, these terms so that people can remain in fear and have fear psychosis on their plantation. And they have tools and verbal tools and weapon to uh, protect themselves, their 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 mentality and their ideology from the ignorance um, and that they have been uh, brainwashed with. So, like I said, Islamophobia is a modern way of saying kufr. In the old days, they said kufr. Today, they say Islamophobia. Uh, however, this pre this is predated by something else. Uh, we will get into Islamophobia later. Later. It's by anti-Semitism. As I said yesterday, the last two podcasts, Islam comes from Orthodox Judaism. Okay, very, very important. Islam comes from Orthodox Judaism. Um, Judaism is the same for everyone. Okay, but the interpretation of it by the Orthodox or the Orthodoxy is completely, completely different. Um... And uh, very, very different. Uh, it, it's very, it's like something like what can I say? Uh, the Wahhabi sect of of, of Islam. Um, very, it is the Wahhabi sect of Islam. It's it's absolutely the same. Okay, so if you look at the Wahhabis, you know, just just look at the Jews, and you the the the, the um, Orthodox Jews or the ultra Orthodox Jews. And you will see it's the same, just the labels are different. Okay, um, so because Islam comes from there, uh, if you trace the link upward, you will see they are exactly the same. And today, Judaism uses the concept of anti-Semitism, uh, and I will explain that to you. Um, Semit, Semite, or uh, Semitic languages actually are for the whole of the Middle East. It's not only for Jews or Hebrews, but they have coined the term Semitism or um, Semitic only for Hebrews. Okay, why? I have no idea. But when they talk about anti-Semitism, it means only a perception or a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatreds toward Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed towards Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property, towards Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. Okay. Uh, so examples of anti-Semitism in public life, the media, schools, workplace and religious sphere could could taking into account the overall context include, but are not limited to, calling for aiding or justifying of the killing of harming of Jews in the same radical ideology or an extremist view of religion, making mendacious, dehumanizing, demonizing, uh, mon monizing, I think it is, or stereotypical allegations about Jews as much as the power of Jews as collective, such as especially, or, but not exclusively, the myth about the word Jewish, the world Jewish conspiracy, or of Jews controlling the media, economy, government, and other social institutions. Accusing Jews as a people and being responsible for real and imagined wrongdoing committed by single Jewish person or group or events 
for acts of committed by non-Jews, denying the fact the scope and mechanisms that is gas chambers are in in internationally or intentionality of the genocide of the Jewish people at the hands of the National Socialist Germany and the supporters and accomplices during World War II, accusing the Jews as a people or Israel as a state of inventing or exaggerating the Holocaust, accusing Jews, Jewish citizens of being more loyal to Israel and to the alleged priorities of the Jewish of the Jews worldwide than to the interests of nations, denying the Jewish people the right of self-determination, that is, the existence of a state of Israel is racist endeavor, applying double standards by requiring it to, to, to be requiring uh, of it a behavior not expected or demanded of any democratic nation, using the symbols and images associated with classic anti-Semitism, to characterize Israel or Israelis, drawing comparisons of contemporary Israeli Israelis policy to that of the Nazis, holding Jews collectively responsible for actions of the state of Israel. Anti-Semitic acts are criminal when they are so defined by the law in some countries. Um, criminal acts are anti-Semitic when the target of attacks, whether they are people or property such as buildings, schools, places or worships, uh, places of worship and cemeteries are selected because they are perceived to be Jewish or linked with Jews. Uh, Anti-Semitic discrimination is the denial of Jews of opportunities or services available to others and is illegal in many countries. So anti-Semitism, my friend, uh, that is taken from the Remembrance Alliance uh, it's, it's a website, Holocaust Remembrance. I'm going to put it on my Facebook page, and I hope you will take a look at it. So that is anti-Semitism. As I like to say, um, or should I say, this is, is uh, um, an accusation put on a lot of people, and it basically comes out after World War II. Okay, after World War II, because of the Holocaust, um, we have many, many, uh, we have a lot of uh, people. Um, the trauma of the Holocaust and the absolute genocide of Jewish people led to certain protections of, of the Jewish people uh, wherever they fled, whether in Europe, whether in in um, in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, all of them, they're, they're, the genocide really shook the planet, and this planet is is now um, this planet is put into effect certain checks and balances to make sure that those who survived the Holocaust did not have to go to the same trauma again. But we understand that trauma is not a word. Trauma is a state of mind and it's currents and waves. So you have to heal and that healing comes from the inside. So as long as you've not healed from the inside, you will, you will face the negativity on the outside. But people don't heal that easily because they do not want to acknowledge the currents that form the waves. And that's why we have the problems that we have. But Islamophobia comes from the concept of uh, anti-Semitism, okay? Um, this anti-Semitism was uh, used as a political tool by a lot of people in, in, in the political agenda, uh, arena, that is Democrats and Republicans in, North, in the US, in Canada, um, both 
sides of the political aisle in Europe. They use this as a political tool to put down people, to, you know, to stop people from criticizing or having any opinion about, about Jews. Um, and from this concept of, of anti-Semitism, we get um, what we know as now as uh, Islamophobia. But where did anti-Semitism start? Okay, I always like to say it's our currents that form the wave. The currents is not 200 years, 100 years. Currents are non-stop. They do not stop at all. They are continuous. So we can go back 2,000 years, 3,000 years, it's the same currents, okay? The labels will change, but the mentality will not, because it's not the labels that define the mentality. It is the mentality that defines the label. It is the currents that form our waves. So where does this start? Now, I always have said uh, the Hebrew, the kingdom of Israel, um, was started, was commenced uh, on in the Levant. The Levant is an area um, um, in, in northern uh, Arabia, on the coast of the Mediterranean, and it's the same place where the state of Israel stands today. So we have the state of Israel and the kingdom of Israel in exactly the same place. Um, now this, like I said, is sitting on a fault line. Okay, and this fault line has been there for 300 million years or even more. Okay, so <laughs> you could go back 300 million years and we'll have exactly the same problem, but people have forgotten because this land has become desert, and because this land has got desert, the civilization is gone, and so they don't understand the past. So they invented something new and this decided that they started the world, but it doesn't work like that. So because of the this this territory being on on a fault line there are continuous earthquakes there are continuous and numerous numerous uh, volcanic eruptions um, any type of um, uh, natural disasters you have all on the same fault line and because of that there was always loss of life disturbance in civil society breaking the food change chain and something more important plagues diseases plagues coming out of this region which is very 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 dangerous in a time where they didn't have the facilities we have today even today with all our facilities and covid we were not able to put it down it took us two years can you believe in those days what happened so uh very it was very easy for people to get to people to uh, lose their tribes completely and people would just fall on the streets on, on, on the roadways and collapse and die. Uh, and they had to put in checks and balances. Now, it was during one of these plagues um, and volcanic eruptions that the slaves who fled, Hebrew slaves who fled Egypt uh, from the Sinai, through the Sinai Desert, uh, Moses saves the slaves, uh, rescues the slaves, and they survive, and because they survive, they think they are the chosen people. And that's why the Hebrews call themselves the chosen people of God, because they survived the plague 3,000 years ago. That's it. That's it. 
Can you believe that? For 3,000 years, we've been hearing we're the chosen people because of one, one incident um, that they s survived. And how did they survive? They survived by isolating themselves, which is exactly what we do today. They survived by uh, washing their hands because they were near a water source, a mineral water source. They survived because they were in the desert, which means heat. What does heat do? It kills the germs. So clean, uh, kills the germs. It cleans, 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 clean. You clean, you clean, you clean. And at one point, you will survive. And if you're isolated, you're not in contact with anyone else. Uh, so it becomes like a ghetto. It was um, an isolated place where they they isolated themselves like, like red zones, like we have today in COVID. And they took this and made this a template for their religion. So the whole religion is based on the events of the Sinai Desert and how God came to them and saved them. But in reality, we know that God doesn't come to anyone. Uh, it, was, it was their way of saying they were chosen people, they survived the earthquake, and that became the template for the religion. And the three religions that followed, two religions that followed, um, um, or, or as I like to say, feudal religions. So uh, because they survived the plague, if you look at the book, the Old Testament, and I've put a link about it in my on my Facebook page, Religions, Regimes and Refugees. I'll repeat that, Religions, Regimes and Refugees. So there's a link on my Facebook page. Um, and if you, if you click on it, it's called biblehub.ca. You will see there numerous mentions of... of, of plague, of disease, of sores, S-O-A-R-E-S, in the Old Testament. Numerous, numerous, numerous. And it's like God is only dedicated to, um, to solving this problem, because really it is the most important problem. If your tribes die of disease and plague, then what else is left? There's nothing there. So you have to protect them. But how can you get a people who are ignorant and illiterate to... Uh, to follow someone's order. So you have to put God in the picture. So you put God in the picture. God said this. God said that. Everyone listens. And there we go. 3,000 years later, we've completely forgotten. So it, I have put the link on the um, on my Facebook page. And you will see. Um, click on the link. And you will see um, um, many, many uh, um Links in that which will take you to the word Makkah. Makkah means souls. So the Samuel 4.8, this Isaiah 10.26, Jeremiah 10.19, Jeremiah 15.18, uh, Kings 8.29, Kings 2, 9.15, Chronicles 22.6, sorry, Chronicles 2, 22.6, uh, Zerechiah 13.6, uh, Kings 2, 8.29, Deuteronomy 29.21, Deuteronomy 28.59, and Jeremiah 30.17. There are many, many more areas where they talk about sores, different types of sores, um, wounds. It's all over the... Um, it's all over the Old Testament, okay? You can click on them, and the word is called Makkah. Makkah means source. Now, I have mentioned this before. I've talked about it in many episodes, and I'm stressing on this again. Anyone who had sores obviously was infected, just like COVID. What do you do with these uh, people? You have to isolate them, and you have to put them in in uh, in uh, in camps, in encampments far away from the city. So I'm going to 
uh, explain to you, what, give you an example of what it says in Levictus, how these people are treated. They're treated very badly. They're looked down upon. They're treated as unclean, uncouth, and they're systematically, uh, systematically um, uh, chastised. Okay, so I'm going to go to Levictus 13, um, verse 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a man has on the skin or of his body a swelling, a scab, a bright spot, and becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. The priest shall examine the sore of the skin uh, of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body. It is leprous. Uh, then the priest shall, shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white of the skin on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore for seven days. It goes on and on and on. Um, and... Um, it says in the end, if the priest sees that all the scab has indeed spread to the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean, for it is leprosy. Um, so, what happens to to someone who is unclean? He has to keep um, the, he has to keep screaming unclean, unclean. Um, and he shall move. He shall be um, abandoned, not abandoned, but sent to a, a, an encampment. And he has to. He has to continue screaming. When he walks on the streets, he has to move to the other side of the streets. And when he moves to the other side of the street, he has to keep screaming, "Unclean, unclean!" So that people are aware of who he is, like a bell, like a cow with a bell. So he has to keep screaming that "Unclean, unclean!" Uh, until everyone knows, and he is uh, moved away from from. Uh, from the city. So um, I'll give you an example. The leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be turned and his head bare, and he shall cover his moustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sores, uh, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That means his dwelling should be uh, in a leprosy colony, which we call in English, in um, in Hebrew. Uh, they were not allowed to take the word for this encampment. They were not allowed to talk about this encampment. Um, and they were told that they were unclean. And they were, these encampments became makkas, means places where people lived with souls. So that... Uh, that exactly uh, was what they were chastising. The people in these encampments died of hunger, they died of thirst, they died of no food, no water, no help, um, and they were cursed. They were thought as unclean, accursed by God. They did not follow the laws of God, and that's why God punished them, and they became unclean. So they were chastised, degraded, and anyone uh, who did not listen to the high priest or did not follow was then... Um, 
chastise and put in these colonies. So the the priests were so strict about it. Now, if you look at us today, uh, you look at the COVID and the government was so, so strict about you taking vaccines, about you washing your hands, about you wearing a mask. You could get a fine, okay? Uh, and, there were, and there were people who lost their jobs, people who did so much, lost so much in the bargain because they could not uh, deal with the problem um, because they didn't want it to go so far and wide. So they they uh, they had so many laws. They had all the the um, uh, in January in Canada. You know we had people who uh, truckers the the trucker march uh, against Ottawa, and uh, the government brought uh, the Trudeau brought in the the laws of um, emergency laws. We had to bring them down uh, literally, and they were absolutely. Uh, incensed, and the whole country was incensed, even me, it was very badly done uh, by the government. Um, but that's exactly what it was hap- what was happening back then. Can you imagine back then they didn't have any other way? So the, the, the priest, the orthodoxy and the administration of these lands was so strict and they would chastise people, chastise, chastise, put them down, put them down. And that became a way of life, Dis- um, uh, insulting people, degrading people, um, making them feel small, making them uh, discriminate against them. That became a way of life. Okay, And they thought that God, because they were so ignorant, they thought by, by doing this, God would recognize them, rec- recognize their hard work and take them straight to heaven. And, and God would recognize that they were not, they were making sure that the people who uh, did not follow their laws were separated from society. Uh, they thought that it would happen, but unfortunately it doesn't happen that way. Life does not happen. Life is cyclic. Doesn't uh, work on God. God. Life works on the energies of the ground, and the energies of the ground are cyclic. If you don't understand that, the cycle will come to get you. It's like currents and waves. Uh, the current doesn't stop for God or for your cleanliness or for your hands. So they never understood that uh, this concept. And at one point, they collected money to build the temple. The, they collected more money. They became corrupt, and the corruption meant people were angry. There was no food, there was no economics, and because there was no food and no economics, guess what? Uh, the, the, the state came crumbling down, divided into two. Um, we know that of Yehud and, um, and the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, when this happens, uh, they've lost all their, all their bearings, they've lost everything, they have no other way of going about it. But they still maintain this mentality wherever they go. So if you see history, Hebrews live in isolated communities because they believe this, this is what God tells them. They don't understand it's a geographical requirement and a geological requirement. So it's a template for a certain geographical area it is not god it is the it is the land which is which is requiring them to do this but they maintain it because now they're so uh, brainwashed that they've taken it all over and they form ghettos and these ghettos uh they are they are uh, only people who believe in this faith live among them and believe in this concept live among them and this 
literally causes problems all over Europe, all over Asia, because these people also overflowed on the Indian subcontinent. And all of us have somewhere up the line, we have an Abrahamic uh, ancestor because they came, a lot of them left their, 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 their religion or their faith or their ideology because they were so fed up of it uh, that they became uh, what we call today as Hindus. But uh, all of us have a, Hindu, is a Hebrew ancestor. Now, this concept of insulting and degrading uh, people who were... Um, who, who were unclean uh, then became um, then became a rot on society and people were angry people were fed up by the time a thousand years had passed and the, and the time of uh, the turn of the millennium came Jesus uh, was born um, we are we know very clearly uh, if you know Je Jesus, um, Christian history Jesus spent a lot of time among the lepers and his story about working with the sick, working with the lepers, working with people uh, is very, very far well known and very, very uh, important uh, a concept of Christian history, the history of Jesus. And it's in every book. It's in every, um, it's on every movie. And you'll see it again and again and again. His goal, he couldn't understand why these people were isolated and, and so badly treated. He spent a lot of his mission helping these uh, people in the leprosy colonies. Uh, only thing is, today in the modern world, we speak English. We don't know that these leprosy colonies were called Makkas. But he spent a lot of time. Now, imagine you and me during the COVID time going and working in these um going and working in these uh, areas uh, where in, during COVID with no mask or just going to help and, and coming back to live in society, obviously the society is not going to like it. Obviously the state is not going to like it. The administration is not going to like it. The cities are not going to like it. And we're going to have a problem and they're going to reprimand you. They're going to fine you. In those days, they couldn't do that if you ever went against the administration for going against their laws of cleanliness and purity, this problem, uh, they would kill you, literally. If you went to the leprosy colonies and did not follow the laws of isolation for seven days, they could kill you. Uh, and they became a supremacist ideology. So they really became... Um, you have to listen to us. We're the truth, the way, the life. We are the only people who are the chosen ones. No one else is chosen. Us, 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 us. And if you go against us, uh, we will kill you. Okay. If you dare to challenge us, we will kill you. So Jesus spent from the age of 13 challenging the rabbis. He spent having these dialogues with them, debates with them, but they would not budge. He went on a mission of knowledge, gaining the knowledge from everywhere. But they did not budge. He tried to have this conversation with this, with the orthodoxy, the Jewish orthodoxy. He tried, and it's all over Christian history, but they did not give in. They were so 
highly supremacist that God had chosen them and only they could put you down, uh, that they actually killed him. So Jesus was killed or hung on the cross because he went against the orthodoxy and he dared to challenge them. He dared to go against them and he, de he dared to say that they were not the truth in the life. Uh, there were other ways of doing this, the other ways of, of bringing people together they were not the truth in the life. Now, uh, he he made very clear that he was he was like an anti-vax. He did not follow their protocol. As a result, they killed him. Okay, so the death of Jesus was not because of God. The death of Jesus is because he went against the orthodoxy and dared to challenge their rhetoric and their narrative, uh, and asked the people not to follow these uh, the orthodoxy. Now, does this sound very familiar to you? Uh, the Udaipur, ki Udaipur killing of Ka Kahanya um, Lal two days ago, um, a couple of days ago, and the killing in Amaravati was exactly the same. These people were incensed that you dared to challenge their supremacy. It's all about supremacy, that they are the truth, the way, the life. Only they can reprimand justice. Only they can look at you. Only they can spit on you. Only they can ask you to submit. And they are absolutely clean. And everyone else is uncouth and kufar. Uh, so... It resembles absolutely what happened 2,000 years ago with Jesus and with many other people because they were not, Jesus was not the only one to die on the cross. This was the way of meeting our justice. In today's world, they do not hang you on the cross. They slit your throat or they kill you. Uh, that, my dear friends, is what it was if you go against the Jewish orthodoxy. Uh, but the cycle always takes a stall, and when you do something to others, you get the key to someone to do it to you. So this became so angersome to the people, so angersome to the people when they brought down Jesus, um, that they split. They went into a civil revolt, and the revolt absolutely split the, the land. Uh, the kingdom of Judea was broken down into a million bits, um, and it was disbanded by 135 AD. Sorry, not the kingdom of Judea, I apologize. The, the Roman province of Judea um, was abandoned by 135 AD, and they lost their kingdom. They lost their kingdom. Absolutely. So, it is important to understand this. This is what anti-Semitism is. Okay, so they went on their way. Okay, they split into different um, tribes and went uh, disbanded into Africa, into Europe. Um, they disbanded into Asia. But did they change? They did not change one single bit. Not one single bit. They continued. Uh, uh, there with the supremacist ideology, I'm the truth, the way, the life, I'm the truth, the way, the life, uh, the other people are unclean. So what you expect is going to be revolt, there's going to be confrontation, there's going to be everything possible, um, and, and they clash, and that clash became anti-Semitism. Uh, this is besides the fact that the Jews were blamed, uh, the Hebrews, uh, or the Yehud were blamed by Christian society for the killing of Jesus. And I spoke about this in, in two podcasts, in a previous podcast. So the Jews were blamed. And 
as a result of which it incensed anyone and everyone uh, into a confrontation with um, uh, with anyone who came who was Hebrew or from the Jewish, from uh, from Yehud or from the previous tribes, the other tribes, the northern tribes, anyone who followed, who was part of the Hebrew kingdoms, the Yehud kingdoms, um, they were absolutely on a confrontational collision course with everyone else, be it Hebrews, be it uh, other Hebrew tribes, be it Africans, be it uh, Europeans, be it uh, South Asians, they were on a collision coast, and that became uh, anti-Semitism in the sense there were wars, there were killing, there was a holocaust, people were burnt on stakes, people um, people were beheaded, people were hung, people were killed, uh, people were raped, um, and they were forced to give up their Hebrew um, way of life um, and basically that was what the Portuguese Inquisition was but they never ever change at all okay from that concept um, it build it build those currents that form the waves it build it build and finally it exploded in what we have as the Holocaust in the Second World War Okay, so the Holocaust in the Second World War was a build-up of this um, confrontation of Jewish, of the Hebrews versus any other tribe, versus any other group of people, versus any other one who was not of their lineage, who was basically unclean and who could not be within their ranks. They had to be isolated, they had to have their way of life, and they could not mix with other people because the other people were seen as unclean. And that, my dear friends, ended up as the Holocaust. The Holocaust then, uh, the survivors were then protected as, as, as it sent shockwaves all over the world. And anti-Semitism as a concept was born to protect these people. But they did not use the knowledge 3,000 years later. They still have not gone back into history to understand what were the currents that formed the waves. Now, once you understand this anti-Semitism and this history, you understand that in, five, in 622 AD, another man, Muhammad, um, according to official uh, official uh, uh, literature, Islamic literature, joins with the Hebrews, um, the Hebrews and the Orthodoxy. Um, not any Hebrew tribes, but the Orthodoxy at Medina and the... Uh, the political movement of Islam is born. They take over. They take over the literature of the Hebrew Orthodoxy. Okay, they take over the Hebrew Orthodoxy. Very, very important. And anything that supremacists that we are the truth, the life is then transferred to the new political movement. And, and this new political movement also takes over the concept of unclean, or we are pure. Because remember when, he, when it started, when um, Islam starts, there is also another volcanic eruption in 536 AD. Leads to a massive, massive plague. And this plague then requires uh, purity, requires cleanliness, requires all these concepts. Uh, to be reused and to protect them and their tribes.
protect them and their tribes. Um, so that concept of of uh, calling out people who were lepers, who were people who were uh, sick, who were diseased, thus becomes kufr in um, it becomes kufr in Islam, uh, and that concept of calling people kufr and najas, which is another word for use for people that are unclean, now takes place in Islam. Okay, so they are spitting fire on you, spitting fire non-stop, shirk, mushkareen, najas. So I'll read you chapter 9, verse 28 in, in, uh, in, um, from the Quran. Uh, o you who believe in Allah's oneness and his messengers, Muhammad, verily the mushkareen, uh, that's the polytists, the pagans, the idolaters, the disbelievers in the oneness of Allah and the message of Muhammad, are najasun. That means impure. So let them not come near the Al-Masjid uh, Al-Haram after this year. Or if you fear poverty, Allah will enrich you if he wills out of his bounty. Show Allah is all-knowing and all-wise. Okay, that's chapter 9, verse 28. The word is najas, unclean. So God is calling anyone that's polytist, pagans, idolaters, as najas. They will swear by Allah to you, uh, Muslims, when you return to them, and you may turn away from them. So turn away from them. Surely they are religious. Uh, najas, impure, um, because of their evil deeds, and hell is their dwelling place, a recom recompense for that which they used to earn. Chapter 9, verses 95. So you see, the Quran is saying basically the same thing as that of uh, the Old Testament, that your mushkareen, you're going to hell, um, Turn away from them, do not mix with them. And that concept of spitting on others because they are unclean is now institutionalized in the Quran. That means a continuation of the Hebrew Orthodoxy movement, or as it's also known as the people of the book. Um, and this is now uh, taken over by Muslims, whoever follow, whoever forced to be uh, converted or ally with the Islamic movement. From there, the next 1400 years, Islam teaches you to isolate yourself, that you're, su you're supreme, you're better, you are uh, ide ideologically superior, you're going to heaven and the whole nine yards. From there, um, they believe that they're never going to fall because God has given them the chosen religion, the last religion, the only prophet, and they're never going to fall. Uh, but they don't understand the world is not flat. The earth is not flat. So you can brainwash yourself with anything you want. It's not going to help because of your currents and waves. It's your currents that form the waves. So when you offload on someone else, you give the keys to someone else to offload on you. And it doesn't matter what you're saying, as long as you're offloading on someone else, they will do the same to you. Uh, and exactly this is what's happened. They all splintered into groups, each one calling the other haram, najas, mushkareen, uh, kufr, 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 and as a result of which they have lost their empire. It's very much the same as Pakistan. Pakistan started in 1947. Um, 
and we are now 2022. It's not even a hundred years. What did they do with all the money they got? The leverage of the land that they had. They could. They are the cusp of of uh, the old of society. They are uh, on the old silk route. What did they do? Did they invest in anything except in ideology? They invested in absolutely nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. They invested in being supreme, supremacy. They invested in war, uh, like their Mughal counterparts, uh, predecessors. They invented. They invested in in just ideolog ideologically uh, imprisoning their their people with najas. Kufar, 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 as a result of which Pakistan is on the verge of disappearing. And so you understand that this ideology it makes no sense. It's only going to bring you down. It is the worst type of ideology ever on the planet. It is absolutely insulting and it has no place in society. It was made for a geographical area and a geological area uh, in a certain context. It was not meant to be some God's news or God's inventions. Um, Unfortunately, they, they lost their empire. They've spent the last, uh, what we say, 70 years getting back their belongings uh, because once you lose the empire, you have no power. Uh, guess what? Um, now you have to regroup. And one of the groups that have re helped during the regrouping, among others, is the Muslim Brotherhood. And the Muslim Brotherhood is the fifth caliphate. Their goal is to resurrect the empire of Islam, the colonial hangover. All they wanted is a, all they have is a colonial hangover. That's all it is. So, um, like everything else, when I came to this country, when I migrated here, um, I. I had a lot of non-Muslim uh, friends, plenty, plenty, plenty of Muslim friends, because I gravitated towards them. For me, it was a natural thing. I grew up with Muslims. I thought they were fantastic. I had no problems with them. They were a family. And so when I saw Muslims, I gravitated to them. I didn't even go to Christians because I, I didn't want to have anything to do with Christians. But for me, I was used to Muslims more than Christians, and I, and I gravitated towards the Muslims there. But they were spitting fire on everyone. I mean, you think that these people were, I mean, not talking about everyone, but people who I knew, you, you think that these people come from another country, they should be grateful for the country where they are, uh, the second chance they have. No, but instead they were, the, the Muslims away, especially the South Asian ones, I'm not going to talk about, everyone but South Asians and Far East, they were spitting fire on every single person on the surface of the planet. And especially the people in this province, and people in, in this country, and they were being brainwashed, brainwashed to spit on everyone. Uh, and literally, uh, negate, degrade, and then after they all went screaming racism, 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 racism. They all went screaming racism, but inside they were the ones doing the spitting. In their homes, they were indoctrinated to the core. I just couldn't understand it. And it took me a long while after research to find out what the Muslim Brotherhood was doing. I didn't even know who they were. Uh, basically, it was a toolkit. The Muslim Brotherhood had a toolkit in the 1990s. I think it's 1991, but I could be wrong. Uh, their toolkit, uh, I've 
put up the link, um, and I've given you the link on my website a long time ago. Uh, it's on the on on the web. It's on the public domain. So it's basically the 1991 uh, Detroit, Michigan. Um, I think it's the Detroit, Michigan. Uh, toolkit uh, for the Muslim Brotherhood which was uh, found after investigations uh, by the American authorities and they basically laid down a template of what the Muslims should do, what the establishment should do uh, to resurrect and take over the uh, to Canada and the United States and basically their toolkit said uh, they for the Muslim Brotherhood, it, ful it, it fulfills an agenda of the process of settlement is a civilization jihadist process, with all the word means. The Ikhwan must understand that their work in America is a, is a kind of a grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers. And so, it's, so that it's eliminated and God's religion is made victorious all over other religions. Uh, that, my dear friend, is the toolkit, the template for work with um, for work to take over this subcontinent. And that's why you see people like Ilan Omar, Care, uh, Isna, all working together to uh, take over to really convert the house of uh, house of war to the house of Islam. And so until it can, they can they take over and they have total authority, they will uh, in, they will uh, fund riots and riots and riots their proxy groups and then pretend that they're victims and pretend that they're 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 permanently persecuted. But the problem is they're getting a lot of money to do this. Um, that's basically what it is. So they was they were indoctrinating literally the people on the ground to consider to think of themselves as permanently persecuted so they were they were they brainwashed the people to say permanent they, they were exploited they were persecuted they were fed a narrative and this narrative then exploded in world in uh, in on 9th on the 11th of September 21 to 20, uh, 2001. The 2001, uh, 11th of September, they absolutely uh, exploded in the World Trade Tower tracks, and all of a sudden, people realized what was going on because they didn't realize it before, and it was a stereotype. It was negativity, 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 negativity uh, in in on the planet, um, all over the world, and Muslims were chastised everywhere they went, chastised, chastised, chastised. Uh, and of course they, they pretended to be victims because that's what they were brainwashed, but they would not say that they were the ones who were doing this and who were lighting the firecrackers from the back door, and when it exploded, it was not someone else's fault, it was their fault. Uh, they pretended to be victims, and from one day to the other, uh, no, they were not victims. Islam was not a victim. The Muslim Brotherhood was not a victim. They used Muslims to run their agenda. Very important. They used the Muslims on the ground. They made the Muslims bait. They kept them isolated, just like the ancient Hebrews. Isolate them, brainwash them with an agenda, and use them as guinea pigs to run their establishment. And they made a lot of money out of it. Uh, and from there, in once they realized that they were on the back foot with the backlash they got with the Twin Towers, they invented this concept of 
um, Islamophobia to basically protect themselves and pretend uh, that they were not the fault, the fault, they were perfect religion, they were perfect ideology, they were absolutely perfect, um, they were the ones who were the victims, which is exactly what their template was. Now light the fire, run, scream wolf, and say, I'm the victim. So basically that's what it was. Um, the Islamophobia came from the narrative that was already pre-established uh, pre-indoctrinated, ready to go as in, as in a machine, a bigger uh, factory machine, and out it came after 2011, uh, 9th of September, and it's been used to protect uh, to protect their their or camouflage their gender to um, to resurrect their colonial empire. So they use they use the Muslims on the ground, pretend that they're they are helping them, give them some money, have these uh you know conferences and things like that, and and keep spring the fact that oh my God we're perpetual victims, perpetual victims, uh, we are persecuted, we're we're Islamophobia, but they will not say what's going on on the inside. Unfortunately, the Muslims are used lock, stock, and barrel, and the establishment gets away with it. And of course, with the money that they get away with, uh, they buy out the, the politicians. And that's why we have uh, the two uh, Democrats and the liberals in power in government in, in North America, um, in the States and in Canada, because they ally with the Muslim Brotherhood. And from them, they get Islamophobia, and so it's used as a rhetoric, as a narrative across the board and now across the world. Anytime they want to put you down and they do not want you to know what is going on behind the scenes, they say Islamophobia. It's basically a camouflage for their colonial hangover and for them to get it, put their foot in the door and resurrect their their empire, basically, so to speak. So it's a modern way of of calling people kufr, uh, Islamophobia, and it's only to uh, camouflage their colonial hangover and take over this planet again uh, through um, subjugation, supremacy, and by and large, that's what it that's what it so anyone who contests their supremacy anyone who questions them anyone who asks them any type of question and contest them they will be put down that's it you're not even allowed to question them because they are so perfect they are the most perfect religion the most perfect ideology god has given to them because they are the last of the prophets last religion there will not be any religion thank god because i can't stand religions anyway um and and they're all in the same basket for me um but we don't need any more religions uh we definitely don't need their supremacy so when they point the fingers at you they don't define who you are but when they point the fingers at you they show us a mirror image of who they are there is something going on behind that curtain and that is a uh, colonial hangover. So next time someone tells you Islamophobia, it just say it's a modern way of of saying kufr. And um, in the old days you said kufr, now you're saying Islamophobia. The labels have changed, but the mentality has not. And again, this comes from anti-Semitism. You have to understand the history behind this. It is very important um, not to fall into this trap. It, to have this history, to have the knowledge, and once you can link all of this together, uh, you can understand the currents that form their waves, you can heal, and you can get into a conversation without letting them um, put you on the back foot right away. 
<coughs> to un to to blame you for not questioning them when they question when you question them or question anyone or have any type of conversation and they come out with these words means they don't have the answers they want to hide something long and short of the story so I hope I gave you as much as information possible. Again, this is a history lesson. It is a history podcast. It is not to to use as a, to use as rhetoric anywhere. Um, I I ask you to do your own research. I put links on my Facebook page, um, and the link is um, on my Facebook called um, my chapter called Religions, Regimes, and Refugees. And you can hear it anytime you want. Um, you can take a look at it, research it yourself. Very important. I will also put a link for International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, and it will tell you everything about the Holocaust. And you need to understand that as much as possible and go from there. Until then, I wish you all the very best. Thank you so much for your time. Stay safe, stay in peace, and heal, my friends. Because through healing, we will resurrect this, um, this Indian subcontinent. Thank you very much for your time and cheers.